This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. We're in a time right now where like women are taking over like really, you know, higher positions and we have a VP of the United States who's a mm-hmm. female and so I think that if women want to have the same pay as men and they want the positions as men then it's important that we also step up and if we want what men get from their jobs then like we have to be able to pay up too. Money can be a subject that's really defeating for a lot of people. Um, I just want to more so encourage people to tell them that they can do it. Hi guys, happy Wednesday. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Sydney, and I'm so excited about today's episode. I've talked about it for a while, about wanting to have someone that's super good at finance and understanding money and all of the things that I lack on this episode. So we finally have that. We have female in finance. She is on Instagram. Her name is Leandra. And she is so incredibly knowledgeable. Like I learned so much from this episode. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear what she has to say. I mean, I wanted to take notes. I'm going to have to listen to this thing 5,000 times just to like really soak it all in because it's such useful, helpful advice from learning to invest correctly for you, from saving, from getting out of debt, from getting the right credit card, from how to save money in college, post-college, in relationships. There's so much good in here. So definitely give it a listen. Definitely take notes. Maybe listen to it more than once. Let it sink in because Honestly, I wish this I knew this years ago. I probably should have figured it out, but sometimes it's just like hard to know you're getting the right information and she definitely has all of that good stuff. So if you want to hear more from her, definitely follow her. I'll link her Instagram below in the show notes. But yeah, so so much good stuff to come. And by the way, after listening to our conversation with her and getting all of her advice, I downloaded one of the apps she recommended called Mint. And I figured out that someone's been stealing money from me for almost a year now. So good for me. Didn't know until I downloaded that app and it was just right in front of my face. But mm, yeah, probably wouldn't have figured it out on my own. So definitely recommend the apps. Definitely recommend tracking that sort of thing. I know it's that time of the year, tax season. Hopefully you guys are getting some money back so you can invest it in your future and all that good stuff. I mean, who doesn't want to make money, right? So yeah, I know this is definitely on our brains right now. I recently hired a tax person to help me out because last year I worked in many estates from Los Angeles to Ohio to Virginia at some point to New York to all the random places we were at for a tour. So it was a mess. My tax lady literally told me that I was the most complicated and interesting case she's had. So Good for me. Pat on the back. Um, Yeah. So definitely needed to hear this episode. I'm sure I'm not the only one. And I just wanted to be as open and honest with how much I lack in this field of knowledge. So it was definitely a good one for me. And I know it will be for other people. So definitely listen to it. Definitely share it. Maybe listen to it more than once because I definitely will. Um, Other than that, I will be doing that episode that is highly requested about sharing the dating app profiles and reviewing them. We did that with Nicole before and it was super fun back when you guys were beanies and it was so fun when you guys shared your profiles. So if you're single right now, if you're on dating apps or if you're wanting to start a dating app profile, send them my way. You can either DM them to me directly or you can send them to the podcast Instagram, which is probably the best option. So if you DM 
at something to share podcast on Instagram. They will all be there. So just send me screenshots. I will promise I will take out your names and any personal information, like where you live, anything like that. We'll call you by like your first letter or something and we'll put it up on YouTube. So you have a visual and it'll be super fun. And I'm going to have my boyfriend help me review them and give you guys some helpful advice because I always love to have the male perspective as well. So I'm excited for that. So send them my way. We're going to do that in the next couple of weeks. So just make sure you get those in if you want a review. And I can't wait to do that. It's going to be so much fun. I'm hoping to get you guys all of the dates in 2021, all of the money from listening to these episodes and just all of the good facts and information that we need to be successful human beings in this year coming. I feel good about it. So that's all I have for today. Just make sure that if this episode resonates with you, if you can think of someone else that needs to hear it, which honestly, I'm pretty sure everyone does, unless you're a finance wizard, I would highly recommend sending this over to someone because Leandra does such a good job of explaining it well and making it understandable and digestible for people like me who have no idea about any of this stuff. And I'm all I'm learning and just trying to be open with that. So yeah definitely share it. And if you could, if you feel inclined to always love a five-star review so I can keep getting incredible guests on like Leandra and all the future guests that are coming and to keep the show on the road. All right, guys, that is it for me for today. Please enjoy the episode with Leandra. Hi, Leandra. Welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited, but also kind of nervous about having you on because I think this is going to be such a helpful conversation for everyone, mostly me included, because like we were talking about earlier, I come from a dance background and I feel like my mindset and all I know about money is just like, get to that next job, get that next audition, like book, 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 but never really doing, knowing what to do with that money after I receive it and just kind of hoarding all of my money. So I definitely need a lot of info and I'm so excited to have you here. So can you just intro yourself, who you are, what you're all about, what you do, and we'll go from there. Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me, first of all. Um, of it's a pleasure to be here with you. And um, yeah, I went to school. I studied finance. Um, I wanted to be a mathematician for NASA. I'm clearly not that, but I did end up landing my dream job in corporate finance. Um, I love my job every single day. And on the side of my corporate financing job, I help people with personal finance. So like my goal is to help people get out of debt, um, raise money so that they can build generational wealth. And so that they can retire and not work for their entire lives. Um, there's a lot behind investing rather than just saving money. And I definitely know like what you mean by just kind of putting money aside and saving a lot of it, but not knowing what to do. And knowing those steps can be really important towards building long-term wealth rather than knowing that you have to work forever because you've just saved money and the money has been losing money actually to inflation. So you always want to be investing and knowing the right accounts and the basics and foundations of personal finance are super important. Some of my goals are to like build an entire platform for every age group to learn about finance. Mm -hmm. So for kids, teens, um, college students and adults, so that they know where they can start with financing. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like my goal to be able to build a large educational curriculum um, but for now, I'm just working in finance and helping people with personal finance goals. 
Incredible. And I love you seem so passionate about it. And it really reads through what you do. And like you have this really incredible Instagram called Female in Finance that I follow. And it's like so helpful and understandable, especially especially for people like me who finance and like money and figuring out how to what to do with it can be kind of scary. And there can be a lot of fear around it. But I feel like you do a great job of breaking it down. So this course sounds incredible. And I'm hoping that's going to be coming. But let's kind of get started with like, at what age should we start to focus on money and investing and kind of like more than just like earning a dollar? When should we take it to that next level? When you suggest we start like learning more about money? Yeah. So I actually think that we should be learning about money when we're young. Like I think our parents should be teaching us so that the subject of money isn't so taboo. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as getting into investing, pretty much as soon as you start working. Um, I think it's important to open up a Roth IRA at a young age. If you start working at 16, you should have that account open and start contributing even $10 a paycheck. Like Mm. every small amount counts, especially when you start at an age like 16, 17, or 18. Um, The amount of time that you have for your money to compound interest and gain more money is huge. Um, And I think that we don't learn that. The other thing that we don't (laughs) learn in like our, I put, made a post actually today about what we should be learning in our teens. Mm -hmm. And a part of that is even just learning about debt and credit cards and student loans and how they actually work so that they know, like, so that we know when we go to college, how much is it actually going to cost us? And is the job that we end up choosing going to ever end up allowing us to even pay off our job or pay off our student loan. Mm. And so like understanding debt, and how interest works and financing starting in like a high school level and even younger, I think is super important. We should be learning that. Like if, if I were a teacher at a school, I would want to start implementing ideas or just teaching people about money or giving examples with money starting in like middle school, probably. It's funny because we go to school for all these years and we learn a lot of things like A equals B, whatever that Pythagorean theorem thing. We learn Uh all the stuff that we don't really use any later, but then the stuff like taxes and investing and finance doesn't really come across. I mean, I don't know if they've changed that since I went to school, but it's not Mm -hmm. seeming like that. So yeah. And I also agree with the fact of it's important how your family kind of talks about money and how you're how you grow up and like see how money is in within like your household. Is it going to make a big difference for how you view it later? And that doesn't go to say like you can't change and learn. Like I am at like 29 now trying to figure my shit out about finances. Mm-hmm. Like you can always do it down the road, but that's definitely going to have an effect on it. So I love that you hit that. Um, as far as like when we start going into – we graduate school – we are even before when you're in college and we're trying to save, can we start with like saving? Like, how do you recommend what we should be saving for? Let's go through just like savings 101 uh, to start. Okay. Um, So yeah, savings 101 is what I call learning to pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is every time you get a paycheck, you pay yourself first by putting money aside into a savings account or an investment account. But starting off with getting in the habit of saving um, is just by putting your money out of that account as soon as you get it. So you deposit your check in your bank or you have direct deposit and you set up an automatic transfer into a separate account that you don't touch. Mm -hmm. Um, And the first thing that I recommend saving for is an emergency fund. 
And so that's typically between three and six months worth of your monthly expenses, if you have any, um, depending on when you're starting to save. Mm -hmm. But saving up a certain amount of chunk of money so that there's never a situation that comes up that will put you back into debt um, Mm -hmm. or make you have to use credit cards. So just small amounts, paying yourself first out of your paycheck. Um, I know you're like getting paid from your job, but it's then paying yourself from that every single Mm -hmm. paycheck that you get so that you can get in that habit of saving. Do you have a percentage that you recommend at least starting for people to take out of their paycheck? And do you have like certain accounts or certain bank Mm -hmm. accounts that you like for people to start with saving? I wouldn't say it's an amount. Like if you can get used to saving probably 10%, that's Mm -hmm. great. Um, If you make like, I don't know, $3,000 per month and you can put $300 a month away, 150 a paycheck, Um, You shouldn't really feel that too much. If you're really living paycheck to paycheck, Mm -hmm. then just find out where there's an expense that you can remove that you don't really need or find out a way to increase your income just a little bit so that you can save that amount. And it, it can be small. Like I know people think when it's like investing that you need to save thousands and thousands of dollars or anything like that. But if you just start small with even $20 a paycheck, um, you'll start noticing that the habit gets easier. And the more that you do it, the more you're inclined to want to save even more. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as where to save your money, I would probably recommend a high yield savings account. And a high yield savings account is different from like a normal savings account at Chase Bank or Wells Fargo. So mm-hmm. at Chase Bank, I think they give 0.01% interest back on your money which is usually pennies. You probably see it on a statement, like it's a very small amount. Mm -hmm. Whereas a high yield savings account is typically around like 2%, but that was pre-COVID. So now it's usually around 0.5%, but that's still 50 times higher than a Mm. Chase account or a Wells Fargo savings account. So you can actually get a high yield savings account for free. There's no monthly amount of money, like no monthly um, fees at all that you have to have in there. You can put any amount of money that you want um, and there's just no charges. So it's a completely free account. Um, I personally use Discover, um, but if I wasn't with Discover, I would switch over to Mm ally.com because they allow you to have different buckets. So if you have different savings Mm -hmm. goals, it makes it nice where you can like put a certain amount for each goal. So like I know my car registration is expensive. So I have a savings account at Discover that says like car registration. And then I'm going to Bali in July. So I have a Bali savings Mm. account. And then just any goals that you have. And then my emergency fund is my last one. But you can have as many as you want for free. And with Ally, you can just do the buckets and name them. So that's where I would start. I like the buckets. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering to say like you're graduating college and you're like, okay, I'm saving, but like what for? Because this um, trip that my friends are taking for spring break sounds way cooler than me saving money. Like what should we be thinking about saving for in the long run? Because when you're young, you don't think like you're going to need this stuff. Um, so when you're getting started in saving, like what should we like ballpark be looking for to save? Um, I don't know if I can put a dollar amount on it necessarily, but you should be saving for things like if you're trying to buy a car, Um, like Mm -hmm. I know some college students don't have cars or they have a car that their parents passed on and they want to drive something else. Um, It's better to pay cash for a car than finance Mm -hmm. a depreciating asset. Um, So I would definitely recommend like trying to save up for those things to buy cash Um, And then also just saving for like your life after college, like maybe your parents are funding your college or maybe you have a scholarship and maybe you haven't had real life expenses out of college to pay for on your own. So 
little things like when you start renting, you might think, okay, my rent is $800 per month or whatever it is. But then you don't think of paper towels and soap and renter's insurance and all the other Mm -hmm. things that you might need. And so you might need that buffer to help you when you first move out and first start your career and um, have those things set up for yourself. So for me, if I were in college, it would be saving up for that. Or if there's like, you never know if there's an emergency, if you like break a leg and have to have a surgery and your insurance isn't covering most of it. So I know a lot of people don't think of that, but an emergency fund is like, my number one thing with finance. And that's probably because I know I'm a liability. Like I have things come up all the time. Um, Unfortunately, I I try not to like attract those bad things in my life, but Mm -hmm. they have happened. And an emergency fund has saved me every single time. So um, if it's not saving up for an apartment or a car or a fun trip that you want to do when you finish college, um, then it would be just as an emergency. And like if you wanted to go on a trip for spring break with your friends, I recommend getting all the experience that you can when you're young. It's just saving up for it. So it's not just like all of a sudden your friends say, hey, let's go to, you know, for spring break to Key West and it's going to cost a thousand dollars and you don't have it. And so like you just run it on a credit card hmm. that I don't recommend. Like if you know that the trip is coming up and it's coming up in 10 months and it's a thousand dollars then save a hundred dollars per month and then be able to fund your trip. So A lot of people think with budgeting that it makes it where you can't spend money on things, but all it does is it allows for you to plan, to have a plan for the things that you want to do. So it shouldn't be limiting. It should be helping you to do all those fun things that you want to do even in college. Yeah. It's like organizing your money, which is very, very helpful. Um, As far as you mentioned credit cards. So this is always fun, especially when you're younger and like you go to the mall and they're like, would you like to open a credit card with the gap? And you're like, yeah, sure. That sounds like a great idea. Don't do it. But -hmm. can we talk about credit cards, the right kind of credit cards, which we what is the most bang for our buck? Like, let's talk credit cards. I feel sure. like I'm going back to business school. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> um, cr- credit cards are so controversial. Yes. Um, it actually makes me laugh a little bit because um, I believe that credit cards are used incorrectly in America. Like people just use them because it's a card that they can swipe and they can pay it back later and not think about it. I think that credit cards should be used for points purposes or like getting cash back offers. You should never use money that you don't have unless you absolutely Mm -hmm. have to. Like if it's an emergency and you have to put it on a credit card, go for it. But if you're trying to buy like a Chanel purse and you don't have the money, like I don't recommend swiping a credit card to use that. So I think finding a credit card that gives you an offer back that benefits you. So if you just like cash back, great, find a good cash back credit card. Um, I personally love traveling. So I'm all about travel points. Like anytime mm-hmm. you can get me travel points, I'm all about them. Um, there are a lot of cards that don't require annual fees, but some of them that do have some good things that come back with it. So I think that, you know, for mine, like it's $150 a year for my travel credit card, but I get a $75 voucher. And with all the points that I get with it, it hands down makes up the remaining $75 that I get for travel. Um, So just finding out which ones work really well, but I don't recommend paying attention to the interest rate because the point of the credit card should not be to spend it and not pay the money back right away. Mm -hmm. So anytime I have like swipe my credit card and every two weeks I go in and I pay it off in full. And I realize that not everyone can do that. And especially with COVID last year, I totally understand that 
there are people out there that absolutely needed to lean on a credit card. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's just the goal of the credit card is to not be in that position. And that's why I say to have an emergency fund for something like how COVID happened and then being able to use credit cards to benefit you, Mm -hmm. not to hurt you. Because credit card companies are absolutely out there to get you. Like they Mm -hmm. wouldn't exist if they weren't able to make money off of the average consumer. As far as like good credit cards right now, if anyone loves traveling, Chase is offering a credit card offer right now where they're giving 80,000 miles, um, or I think points, it is 80,000 points for if you spend $4,000 in the first three months. So if anyone knows that they have like really big expenses coming Mm -hmm. up in the next three months, 80,000 miles is worth it. As far as I actually only have one credit card and I just use it for travel points. And Mm -hmm. the other good thing about credit cards is it can increase your credit. The bad part about them is it can decrease your credit if you play with fire. So Mm -hmm. um, you just want to use them wisely and um, make sure that you're not over swiping and then realizing at the end of each month that you don't have the money to pay it off because paying interest extra for items that you didn't need uh, is going to just backtrack you towards building wealth ultimately. Totally. Yeah. I like that you mentioned paying them off after every two weeks. And there's like certain rules that people have with like pay it by this time and you'll get, I'm just like, I'm just going to try and pay it off. And that's, that's that. Do you recommend just having one credit card or do you recommend like a certain amount in order to generate wealth or like, what do you recommend as far as like amount of credit cards? Um, I wouldn't say that you like a lot of people ask me, how do I have a high credit score? And for me, it's using my credit card and paying it off in full. And mm-hmm. I only have one. And I have had ones previously that I've closed because they like added in monthly payments that I didn't want, or there were issues with like fraud, too much fraud on the card. So I've switched. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe like two, I, I don't think you really need more than two. And that would just be more so if one doesn't work at some point, because that can happen, then you have at least a backup card to use. Um, But I don't think that you need more than one unless you like different types of offers. So like some of them might give like five points back on gas and food, and then one might be really good for travel. So it might be good to have both cards in that instance. Um, So just paying attention to like what it is that you want to benefit from the card, um, but not spending just to get the points. Like you definitely mm-hmm. want to just use it how you normally would use a debit card. Um, so just like two or three, I don't think you really need any more than that. Even three for me is pushing it. Cause you don't need to have that many hard inquiries on your credit. Um, and it is a myth that you had that if you leave like a small balance of your credit card open, that your credit builds, that is an absolute myth. Um, Hmm. like always pay it off in full. I don't know why people say that, but as you keep using it and paying it off in full, the credit card companies can increase your credit utilization and that will make your credit score go up. So Hmm. pay it off in full. Good to know. Mm -hmm. Um, say if someone is in debt and it's like, I mean, last year was terrifying for everyone pretty much. And I'm sure a lot of people might've run into debt or certain things can happen. Like how do you recommend like first steps for starting to get out of debt? If someone is experiencing that? For getting out of debt, um, it's, a, it's a matter of first writing out all the debt. So you want to write out all the balances that you have that you owe and all the interest rates that you owe for each one, as well as all the minimum payments that you owe for each one. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of two avenues that you can go with paying off debt. So there's one method that's called the debt snowball method, which a lot of people may have heard from Dave Ramsey, but it's basically just paying off the smallest debt to the largest debt first. 
mm-hmm. um, and that's by a dollar amount. The other method is to pay, it's called a debt avalanche, and that is you pay off the highest interest first. And ultimately, that way typically makes it where you're paying back less than interest overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason why some people would pay the smallest balance first is to get those small wins. So mm-hmm. if you have like credit card debt and maybe you owe someone else some money and maybe a student loan debt, maybe you have car debt, um, you can, if you pay those off in like the small amounts first, it's kind of a small win that you get to be like, okay, I paid that one off and it felt really good. So I want to pay the next one off and it's a little bit higher of a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, you'll probably pay more interest doing it that way. Um, so I personally recommend paying off the highest interest rate first um, if you can. But it starts with literally just sitting and writing it all down because there's a lot of people that I coach and they're like, I don't even want to look at how much yeah. debt that I have. Or if they did pull up all their debt, they're like, I didn't even realize how much it was. And so sometimes it's a matter of just like you have to face it and it sucks. Like whenever I see people's faces, when we go through their budgeting and and all their debt, they're like, wow, I had no idea how much debt that I had. It can be kind of defeating, Mm -hmm. but you just have to take baby steps. So it's one step at a time. There's no one that's going to just like come in and pay a hundred thousand dollars off of your debt. Um, It's not going to grow on a tree. So you just have to take one step at a time and know that it will take time. Mm -hmm. Um, There's actually a cool debt payoff calculator in my profile that people can download And they can put in the interest rates and the minimum payments and their balances. And it will tell them exactly when those will be paid off if they just keep paying the minimum. And Mm. so you can see that can kind of, you know, help push you if you want to pay it off quicker or if you're okay with one that's going to be paid off. Um, But it gives you an idea with the compounding interest on those debts, how long it will take you to pay off. Yeah, that's so true. It's like the avoidant attachment as far as like, looking at finances, like even when I was younger, and I was just afraid of what my account would look like, I would just not check it, which is not helpful as far as like Mm -hmm. tracking your finances and like knowing where you are. So I totally get that. But sometimes it is just like ripping off that bandaid and laying it out on paper. And and it just makes you feel a little bit more comfortable in the fact that it's organized and you can see it all and then you can take those steps because if you just avoid it, it's going to get worse and snowball Mm -hmm. from there. So that is so, so true. Um, Before we get into like the investing and all that, I want to also ask about as far as money and relationship goes. So, I mean, even for dating and like there's always the thing of you're going on a date, who pays for the dinner, that kind of thing, like bare minimum. But then also as you get later in life and then you start to like I'm in a relationship now and I'm starting to think about like marriage and eventually kids and things like that, like sharing finances and like how do you go about that? I think someone asked me earlier if you're going to do a joint bank account like who's contributing to what, like kind of those conversations around relationship and finances? Yeah, that's a great question, actually. So first, I think it's important in dating that people don't like judge, like you don't judge the partner for how much they make. Mm -hmm. Um, Nowadays, sometimes women make more than men, and that's totally okay. And so I think just first acknowledging that you have like you make different amounts and so like there are things that one partner may not be able to afford compared to another Mm -hmm. and being able to work with one another about it I think that's like a good conversation to have in dating as far as like dates like going out on dates I would still like a guy to pay for the first date I love yeah I'm Um, that camp too yeah but I am someone that after like the first date if there's interest in and there's multiple dates afterwards that Mm -hmm. I would offer to pay. Um, I just feel like, you know, if we are like, we're in a time right now, like women are taking over like really 
you know, higher positions and we have a VP of the United States who's a Mm -hmm. female. And so I think that if women want to have the same pay as men and they want the positions as men, then it's important that we also step up and pay for some dates. Like I I don't, (laughs) I know that's like a controversial topic. No, that was um, a good point. (laughs) But like, if it's a double standard. So like mm-hmm. if, if we want what men get from their jobs, then like we have to be able to pay up too. And, um, I think mm-hmm. acknowledging that you like, you want to pay once, I think that they would like that. Like I've never had a, a guy on a date be like, no, like you absolutely can't pay. Um, if we've gone on multiple dates and they've paid for many of them. Um, I think it's a sign that like, I'm also interested and I'm invested in the relationship too. Mm -hmm. And like, I want to play my part in it as well. Um, So I think it's just paying attention to those double standards. Mm. Um, So yeah, it's okay to pay on dates. As far as combining accounts and marriages, um, I am not married uh, at all. So, (laughs) um, but uh, this is, another controversial topic because I think that it's important to be able to like combine forces. And if you were to throw everything in, you should be able to trust one another um, that you guys are each putting in your part and not just like blowing through money or like going and buying something without the spouses um, like knowing of it. Um, I think that that those are conversate, like there's more communication that needs to be in line if you're going to combine accounts. Mm -hmm. Um, because my mom is divorced, I think I personally have a fear of combining accounts because mm. I saw what it did to her. Um, and in the divorce, she didn't get any of it back. Mm. And we, she ended up filing bankruptcy. Wow. And so she always told me, and I'll never forget like that she always tells me this, like always have a separate account from whoever that you're with. Like if you ever get married, like always have a separate account for yourself. And it doesn't mean that they don't have to not know about it. Like if you want to tell them about it, that's fine. But just take care of you. Like at the end of the day, if something happens, you have to take care of yourself. And I coach so many divorced people who lose everything in a divorce. Hmm. And I see it just exactly how my mom went through it. And so it's all the people that made the same mistake that my mom did as far as like not having a separate account just in case something happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of a bummer because, like, I feel like, you know, the divorce rates are so high um, that it just feels like a, it's a safety net, essentially, if something does happen. And, of course, I'm not really someone who's for divorce unless it's absolutely necessary. But it's just a good cushion to have should there be a divorce that you can, like, go and get a place and rent and not feel trapped in their relationship mm-hmm. or, like, stayed married to someone in a bad situation just because of money. Um, and that's another issue that I you know, come across with people who are still married, um, but they're in an abusive relationship and they can't get out because they have all the money. Mm-hmm. Um, so having that, I think if it were me and I'm married, we would each have our own accounts and then there would be one joint account for everything that we spend on together. So mm-hmm. if it's rent or like a trip that we want to go on or food that we shop for together, we put in an, an amount monthly or however much we want to put in. And then we just match each other. That way mm-hmm. it's even. Yeah, that's probably what I would do if I were married. 
I love all that. Yeah, it's like having that Carrie Bradshaw apartment that she never get got rid of. So when she didn't have <laughs> issues, she could go to her apartment. Yeah, but like, yeah, I was reading your profile earlier, and there was like the post about like the number one fight people have is about money, and it, like these divorces might not even really be at the root of like the issues of the marriage. It could be the problem with finances, and it does come from conversation, and it can be uncomfortable. Yes, but I think just owning like what you have to offer, what they have to offer, and like knowing that you're, you are working together, but also you have to keep in mind, like keep out a look for yourself. I love that you say that. And just like having your own side hustle or side money, just in case you never know. And maybe yeah. you can buy a Chanel bag with it, or maybe yeah. you'll use it as an emergency <laughs> fund. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It, it basically is like a side emergency fund. So mm-hmm. if anything, it, if like shit hits the fan, you can book it if you need to. I and love that. That comes up more often than people think. And so I just think it's important to have, but important to also just be like, it takes a lot of communication about money. And it's a very uncomfortable topic because we're not grown up taught a lot about money. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's such a taboo subject still. So if you can bring it up early, I think it's better. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a good thing to have in a relationship for sure. I agree. Um, Okay, let's get into investing a little bit. I need like a deep dive. I feel like I, this is just the one thing that like always seems somewhat attainable when you somewhat learn about it. Like if I get one more TikTok, that's like, this is how investing is and it's easy and it's in 15 seconds and it seems like really simple. But I mean, from what your posts are about, it seems fairly simple, but can we kind of like talk through investing, what it is, what we should be investing in and all of that. Investing, the bottom line is essentially when you invest your money into the stock market, you are buying time. Um, that's buying time from not having to work a nine to five. That's buying time to spend with your family and friends and buying time to do all the things that you want to do. And if you're not investing and you're just saving your money and you're losing to inflation, it's going to be a lot harder when you reach a retirement age and you don't want to work anymore to be able to do that and not require, like not depend on social security. Like we don't know what, if social security is going to exist by the time that we retire <sighs> Um, it might be, it might be a smaller amount of money. Like we have no idea. So it's good to not depend on it and to invest mm-hmm. your money into the market. Um, investing can seem scary if you know nothing about it, but it is actually simple. It's not as simple as a 15 second TikTok, TikTok video. video. <laughs> yeah. I've seen them. And so I'm like, Ooh, that's like pushing it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but when you understand the basics of it and the type of accounts that you can invest in and the order of those accounts that you should be investing in. Um, and what funds you want to invest in. It's actually not super hard. Um, When I'm doing coaching with people, I'm trying to figure out their risk tolerance, like how hands-on they want to be with investing, or if they just want to like put their money into their investment and then let it go Mm -hmm. um, and not worry about it. So there's different types of investors. Uh, I personally think that the best investors are lazy. Mm -hmm. Um, And by lazy, I mean, they like put their money into a low cost index fund and they just keep adding money to that until, you know, 30 plus years compound growth and you're able to retire. Um, The people that are day trading, which means they're like buying stocks when they're low and then selling them when they're really high and they're like constantly on the computer doing that. Um, I consider that gambling. Um, I don't think it's like the smartest thing in the world to do. I know that there are people that are like good at it. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think it's a huge waste of time. Um, I think if you can invest for the long run, then you're way better off. Um, so essentially the basics of investing are knowing what accounts we have for investing in. Mm. Uh, the first one that most people know of is a 401k. 
um, or some people have a 403B or a 457. They're all pretty equivalent. They're all employer sponsored. Mm -hmm. And so basically your employer might offer you like, hey, if you want to put 3% of your paycheck away into a 401k, we will match it. Um, and that's free money. So if you put in a hundred dollars a month and that's 3% of your paycheck, and then they put in a hundred dollars a month, you've just earned $1,200 extra at the end of each year for not doing anything. Um, so it's good to know that you, there is essentially free money on the table and you don't want to leave it there. Mm -hmm. Um, so I always recommend investing up to your match, um, and it's usually so small. Most companies are 3%. Some are 6 um, Some are more. But investing up to that match is super important. And the max contribution per year is 19500 which I realize not everyone can do. But um, it's a good account that is tax advantage for your retirement. Um, the next account that I would recommend investing in is a Roth IRA. Uh, IRA stands for Individual Retirement Account. So it is not employer sponsored. It means that you have to go and open the account yourself and put the money in yourself um, and invest in what you want by yourself. Mm -hmm. And a Roth IRA, you can only contribute up to $6,000 per year if you're under the age of 50. If you're over 50, you can contribute 7000 But essentially, if you paid $500 a month towards that account, if you have that amount, then you could max out that account every year. And it's very tax advantaged. So all the money that you put into that account has already been taxed from your paycheck. So you put the money in and it grows tax-free and you'll withdraw it tax-free. Hmm. Um, it is still a retirement account. So that means you can't pull the money out until you're 59 and a half. Hmm. And I think that's where some people's fear is, is um, they're like, well, what if I need that money? Um, yeah, essentially, you know, if you put the money in that account and you pull it out, you can't, you can, but it's going to be penalized 10%. Mm -hmm. Um Although there is like a little trick with a Roth IRA that what you've, the money you've put in, you can actually withdraw penalty-free. You just can't withdraw any of the gains. So if you put uh, $5,000 okay. in and it grows to $6,000 and you need $6,000, you wouldn't want to pull out that $1,000 without being penalized. So you could just pull out the $5,000 penalty-free. Um, so that's see. a good thing about that account. And then the 401k is also a 59 and a half age limit to pull out before any penalties. The other account that doesn't have any penalties for when you pull it out, there's no age limit, is a taxable brokerage account. And that's an account that is not as tax advantaged as a 401k or an IRA. However, it's not a retirement account. It's just an investing account. So any mm -hmm. money you put in, it can grow and you can pull out. But the money goes in tax and the gains when you pull out come tax as well. So you're double okay. taxed. But it's a good account to have, especially for anyone who wants to retire before 59 and a half. Um, I actually put most of my money in a brokerage account like that because I do plan to retire before 59 and a half and I don't want to pay penalties. Mm -hmm. So it's better for me to invest in a taxable brokerage account and then pull money out. Um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of the order is you would want to do up to the match of your 401k and then invest in your IRA up if you can get to 6,000 per year by doing 500 a month. And then go back into the 401k if you can max that account out, which is at 19.5 per year, so 19,500. And then if you have any extra money to invest, you can do a taxable brokerage. And I know like some people do not have, you know, a ton of money to invest per month. They might have $100. That's great. Um, take the lowest percentage, like the match at your company, and mm -hmm. then invest the rest into a Roth IRA, and you'll be good. Like that's a great way to start with investing. Love that. So those three years, kind of like the the starting for that. 
so then say if I'm buying Bitcoin, is that what you mean by like the gambling type of investing? What, um, no. what is this? So, I'm yeah. Um, Bitcoin is not something that I invest in. Mm -hmm. yet. I won't totally. say that I'm like completely opposed to it. Um, but right now I do consider it gambling because there's like no history. Like we don't know what it's going to do. It fluctuates like crazy. I look at it all the time just to see what it's doing. And it's like, mm -hmm. if I put my money in on this day, it could have shot up double or like sunken down to zero. And so because it's so up and down, um, and it's so speculative. It's not for me personally um, yet, but I know that it can be the future of of money potentially. We just don't know, and mm -hmm. I can't tell the future. And if anyone is trying to claim that they know for sure, they're yeah. wrong. Um, I think it's okay of your investment portfolio. So, like, if you're investing in a 401k and a Roth IRA, and you're setting yourself up to um, build wealth for your future. I think that it's okay to have a small percentage in fun stocks or Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, so by like gambling, I'm talking about like buying individual stocks or buying uh, cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. And of course, there are better stocks than others like Tesla, I don't think is really going anywhere or mm -hmm. Apple, for example. But the difference of what I invest in versus just buying individual stocks is I buy what's called index funds, which have hundreds and thousands of stocks in some of them. So mm -hmm. for example, the S&P 500 has the top 500 companies in it. And so kind of look at it like um, a piece of pizza, I guess. So mm -hmm. let's say each slice is a company. So maybe one slice is Tesla, one's Microsoft, one's Apple, one's another company. And so rather than just taking one slice from that pizza, I would rather have a little bit of mm -hmm. each slice. And so it's like taking a bite out of each piece. And that's what an index fund is. So you're getting to invest a small amount in hundreds of companies. And there's a lot less risk involved with doing that. Because if you invest in one stock and that company goes down, well, you just lost all your money. Mm -hmm. If you invest in an index fund and that company goes down, that's fine. They go out and another company gets replaced back into that index fund. And you're not really going to see a difference in your money. Um, mm. Index funds are typically always going up. And so it's a safer way to invest. And so when people are like, I'm too scared of losing all my money, well, you would need the top 500 companies in the world to go bankrupt for you to lose all your money in the S&P 500. So in order for that to happen, it would take a lot. Yeah. Um, and if the pandemic didn't just do that, then there's really not much to worry about. Um, yeah, the so world yeah, would be ending. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it would just be if you are scared to invest, don't day trade or invest in crypto because you have the opportunity of losing all of your money. If you're investing mm -hmm. in low cost index funds, it would take a lot for you to lose all of your money. Um, I would say that anytime I've ever invested, my money has never dipped below of what I've already put in ever. Oh. That's good yeah. to know. Yeah. Even with so COVID. The dip. It did not. I did not lose more money than what I had put in. That's awesome. Yeah, my boyfriend and his brother are l recently getting into investing, and they're talking about Bitcoin and like Peter. What is it called? The the P Peter Pan or whatever that. Um, I don't know. I clearly don't know. But they're just like talking about Bitcoin and investing and like all of that stuff all the time. And I don't know what it is. So it's good to know that there is like less risk investing. I've never been a one for gambling or wanting to risk yeah. my money, which is why I've been hoarding it. Now I have very clear um, steps to take now, which is very exciting. Before we jump into listener questions, do you have any like apps or um, 
websites or things that would be helpful for people to kind of download and like get into finding more information about saving, investing, all that stuff? Yeah. Um, so actually when I started investing, I just went to investopedia.com and they have tons of different subjects about money. And mm. so if you can just pick one, like just click on any one and just read the article, you'll just start learning more about personal finance. Mm -hmm. They're very short. They're very straight to the point. They're not hard to understand. And they give like key takeaways at the end of each one. So even just understanding those key takeaways will help you to like learn about money. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something that you can do. And then um, my favorite app is called Every Dollar. And it's just a budgeting app. And so you put in all your income that you're expecting for that month and then all your expenses. And then it'll tell you if you go over on an item, like on a line item. So maybe you spent, you know, $200 going out for the month, but you meant to only spend $150. Well, then you need to pull $50 from another option. Mm -hmm. So you just reallocate the budget. And so maybe you take 50 out of um, personal care. Maybe you don't get your nails done that month mm -hmm. because you overspent eating going out. I know. <laughs> I never so, get mine done. That's the yeah, only way to pull it out of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, essentially the app really helps you to figure out where you've gone over and where you can adjust. And it literally highlights it in red. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, I clearly went over. And so you can adjust with it. And, and that's helpful for people that are starting to budget and like building the habit of figuring out where their money is going. Um, a rule that I have to budgeting is give every dollar a job. And that's why it's called the every dollar app. Mm -hmm. um, because you're essentially giving every dollar a job of where it's going, whether it's going in a savings account or an investing account or rent or internet or home phone, like no one has a home phone. Um, <laughs> but like any sort of expense that you have, um, it has a place to go. And mm -hmm. then if you just overspend, you can rebut like re allocate it on the app super easily. So yeah, if you don't have the every dollar app, it's free. Um, it's easy to use. And then another popular one that I don't use is mint. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that a lot of people probably use that one over the every dollar app. Uh, I haven't tried it because mine's already set up through yeah. every dollar. So I don't want to turn everything over to it, but try either one of those two for budgeting. Awesome. Yeah. I'll have to take less target trips, but that's fine. Uh -huh. <laughs> It's probably good for me. Um, okay, let's – Chick-fil-A. Yeah, we oh, all yeah. have our vices. Um, yeah. Let's get into listener questions because there's actually some really good ones in here. Okay, so first question. What type of IRA should I open if I'm self-employed, SCP, or Roth IRA? Thanks. Heart. Yeah, um, that's actually a good question. Uh, I would personally open a Roth IRA. So Roth IRA is for anyone that has earned income. It doesn't have to be um, – if you are self-employed or if you are employed. Um, my brother is self-employed and I have him set up on a Roth IRA. I know that there are some differences with a SEP IRA, but it's, I believe, tax-related. And so it would be worth sitting down with a CPA and just asking them which one might be more tax-beneficial for you. I think it might depend on how much money you earn as a self-employed person. So mm -hmm. knowing the tax differences between the two is likely the best thing for that person who's asking the question to check out with a CPA. Perfect. I'm a single mom who's starting again. What's the best way to invest with a medium income? Um, so first is starting off with a budget so that you know how much you have to invest. Um, so you have to know how much money is coming in, how much money is going out, how much is left over to invest. Um, and that, and then it would depend if you are, if you have a job, definitely contribute to your 401k. 
Um, if you don't have a job, um, you would probably want to open up a taxable brokerage account because you would not be able to open up a Roth IRA if you don't have earned income. So a taxable brokerage account, if you have no job and you have a small amount that you can invest per month, then it would be that account. Uh, but if you do have a job and you know how much you can invest and maybe it's $1,000 per month, then great. You can probably hit all three accounts. So you can probably contribute to your 401k, contribute to a Roth IRA and a taxable brokerage account. Um, best inve- investing platforms. Oh, um, so I don't like any of the apps like Robinhood or M1 Finance. That was the word I was thinking of earlier, not Peter Pan. Robin it was Robinhood. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I would have gotten it if you said Robinhood. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I don't use any of those applications for investing. Uh, I personally would choose a larger brokerage firm. So Vanguard is who I invest with. Uh, Fidelity is another great option or Charles Schwab. Perfect. What are the risks, the real risks with crypto investing? I think we might have covered that. Yeah, Yeah. basically just losing all your money. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) big risk. Yes. This one's kind of specific. Does employer contributions in HSA count on the 15% for retirement? Oh, I think they're asking, like a lot of people say you should contribute 15% towards retirement accounts. And is an HSA considered one of those accounts? Um, Yeah, because you can't use the money for anything besides medical expenses until you're, I think, 65. And then afterwards, you can use the money for anything that you want. But because there's an age limit on it, yeah, I would consider it towards your retirement. Okay. And I think last question, because we covered the rest, what percentage of each paycheck should I put into my 401k? Uh, Yeah, you'd want to put up to the match at least. That would be the bare minimum. If you can get up to 15%, that would be super great towards being able to retire early. Uh, So yeah, if you can put up to 15%, great. There's some people that I've coached that do 20%, but it makes sense for them with how much they have in their budget to allocate towards other retirement accounts and investing accounts. But Bare minimum, um, you get 100% of your money up to the match. So again, if you like put in $100 up and that's the match to 3% and you can get $100 back from your employers, you just made 100% on your money by you doing that. So uh, definitely that that as a bare minimum. I think one last question I actually thought of is you talk a lot about side hustles and mm-hmm. finding them and how they're important. Can you just like explain why that is and like how we can utilize side hustles into creating more wealth. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good, that's a good subject. Um, so with side hustles, the reason why I am so adamant about them is because if you just have a nine to five, you're only one step away from being unemployed. Mm. And so sometimes it can be just as simple as a side hustle that makes you a couple extra hundred dollars a month that can really help you. Um, especially with like what happened last year during COVID. I feel like a lot of people are reaching about out about like what kind of jobs they can do outside of their normal jobs. Mm-hmm. And I think that I kind of grew up loving side hustles. I would uh, go to Costco and buy candy. And then I would go to my brother's hockey game and sell them for like an upcharge. And that's how wow. I paid for things that I wanted as a kid. And ever <laughs> since then, I've always had a side hustle. Like I was like, why not? earn a little extra income. And um, in college, I paid for my books and my parking by walking dogs. And so I actually just went to all my teachers and asked if they had a dog and if they ever needed dog walking or if they were ever leaving town, if I could watch their dogs. And so I've actually done like my, my biggest side hustle is watching dogs. And because I have one, um, you actually probably don't even notice, but there's three others in my living room right now that are super quiet. And so while I'm working, like, 
it's very easy for me to have them here with my other dog for some him to play with someone. And that small amount of extra money each day that I do that or for the whole month really adds up. Mm-hmm. And it's a great option to lean on if there's ever an emergency when you lose your job. Mm-hmm. Um, when people do lose their jobs, it takes on average of nine weeks for them to find a new one. And to be without any income for nine weeks can be really stressful. And mm-hmm. so for nine weeks, you were like selling clothes on Poshmark or having garage sales or um, walking dogs, if you like dogs, or um, if you were tutoring, if you know how to, if you're like uh, an expert in an area and you can tutor a kid, um, that can earn a lot of money. So just these small things that you can do. And if you lose the job, but you have the side hustle, you don't have to think about anything that you need to do to increase that while you're looking for a job or to get started. So mm-hmm. I think when people like lose their job, they're so stressed out that they wouldn't even, they're just clouded by their emotions of like, okay, well, what can I do to bring in money? And they can't think as straight, mm-hmm. but if you already have it in place and you lose your job, then that's a lot more beneficial for you. So I'm a huge proponent of side hustles. I have a lot of them. Um, and I'm a lot of people ask, like, how do you have so many? I choose ones that are not time consuming. So they don't mm-hmm. take a lot of my time or I can do them at the same time. So if I've listed stuff on Poshmark, there's nothing really more that I have to do besides wait for people to buy. And then you can go to the post office and they give you boxes for free. Mm-hmm. And then you just buy tape and you print out the label and stick it on. So things that don't take very much time um, to earn extra money. Poshmark can take a long time to list. So it's not like the best option, but if you have a lot of clothes and you're trying to declutter, um, if you want to donate them, you can, or you can post them up on Poshmark. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually launching a side hustle course soon. I'm still writing the outline. I'm almost done. And then I'll make the slides and the presentation, but I'm really excited for that course so that people have a lot of ideas. I'm thinking of putting in like 50 to 100 really good side hustle ideas so that yeah I know that there's a lot of people that like I'm not good at anything I don't Mm -hmm. have the time Um, I'm not skilled I'm not an expert anything but I promise you like one thing that I learned in college from a professor is everyone is good at something Mm -hmm. and there's a way to make money from that there's something that everyone has that someone else wants and it's just finding that want and filling that need so everyone can do it but I'm gonna give a bunch of ideas on what people can do that are really good. Amazing. You were so knowledgeable. I'm just like, <laughs> that was so informative. I feel like I learned like a whole business degree in an hour. Oh, so thank you thank for you. all yeah. of that. Um, of I guess before we go, I do ask this question to everyone, but I don't know if there's like anything else that you would even need to tell me because you told me everything, but if there's anything lately that you've been noticing on your heart or your mind or things that you've seen, something that you think someone could hear maybe about finances or just like really whatever that's kind of just you've been thinking about lately. Um, just kind of giving you that space to share it now if you have anything. I know that like money can be a subject that's really defeating for a lot of people. And just like how that single mom asked a question mm-hmm. um, or there's a lot of people like going through divorce, especially with last year. Um, I just want to more so encourage people to tell them that they can do it. Um, I know a lot of people don't know like my history, but I grew up extremely poor and um, we were almost homeless and my dad left when I was three and my mom, I consider to be a superwoman. I have no idea how she raised us in a country that she's not from, not speaking enough English. And seeing her hustle to be able to put food on the table, if my mom can do it, I just want to encourage everyone to know that they can do it too. Mm -hmm. And it can be hard and it can take a long time, but 
Um, my mom is now, I think, 58. She owns her house. She owns her cars. She has no debt. And that's coming from someone who's filed bankruptcy. And so if she can do it and you feel defeated or like you're lost, uh, reach out to me because I'm happy to help. I literally answer almost every single DM that I get. Um, and I offer coaching and support to people that need it. But reach out for help. Sometimes, uh, you know, if you don't ask, then the answer is always no. But if you ask, then you never know who's going to help out. So uh, if there's anyone that's like struggling, um, just know that you can do it and that, you know, I'm here to help if they need anything. Amazing. Well, speaking of that, can you just share your um, Instagram, website, anything like that so they can reach out to you? Uh, So my Instagram is at female in finance, but there's dots in between. So it's at female dot in dot finance. I am launching my website soon. I'm actually doing my photos for my website this weekend. So um, I will be launching my website soon just before my course launches. Uh, But pretty much the only place to find me is there. And so you can just slide in my DMs. Please don't ask for feet pics. (laughs) They always do. (laughs) It's very odd to me. So weird. So weird. Yeah. Um, wow. Well, thank you so much. You say I probably will have to listen to this 4 million times, but I am so excited about your courses yeah. and to look in that too as well. And I think you, you are already helping so many people, but you're going to continue to do that. And I am so happy that I got to have you on. So thank you so much, Leandra. Thank this you great. for having me. It was fun. Yeah, have a great course. rest of your day. You too. Thanks. <laughs>